May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father, through his Son, his only Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. What are some key words people might use to describe you? These could be characteristics. These could be qualities. They may or may not be compliments. You don't have to tell me now, and you don't have to tell me later. But since I asked the question, I'll give you some possibilities people use or might use about me. Old. Short. Hair that is more gray than brown. A crooked smile. Crooked teeth. Energetic, athletic, competitive, loyal. Can be unpredictable, usually patient, often particular, sometimes serious, sometimes silly. Keywords describe me and keywords describe you. They describe us as the redeemed people of God. Because keywords in God's word speak both law and gospel. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts and minds this day to hear the good news from Romans chapter 5. People God dearly loves. We started reading and listening to St. Paul's epistle to the Romans two weeks ago in series A, the cycle of the church year that we're in. These appointed scriptures will be for 15 Sundays, 15 Sundays of Romans. We will end on September 18th. So settle back, pay attention. There's lots to discover or to relearn. This is from my library shelves and it includes some, it includes Martin Luther's preface to Romans written in 1522. I'm going to read just a bit of it. This epistle is really the chief part of the New Testament and is truly the purest gospel. It is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word for word by heart, but also that he should occupy himself with it every day. We can never read it or ponder over it too much, for the more we deal with it, the more precious it becomes and the better it tastes a little bit later. In this epistle, thus, we find most abundantly the things that a Christian ought to know, namely, what is law, gospel, sin, punishment, grace, faith, righteousness, Christ, God, good works, love, hope, and the cross. Today, we get 10 verses from this great epistle from chapter 5. And these verses reveal five law truths and five greater gospel truths. I call to your attention, if you notice, that how the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write in verses 6 to 11. He writes in the third person plural. He writes we ten times and us two more times. But more than that, Paul writes negatively as he describes what Christians are apart from Christ Jesus. In verse 6, we were weak, feeble, helpless. We were more than weak. We were also ungodly, irreverent. And that Greek word can also mean one who refuses to worship. That's how far away from God we were. But verse 8 speaks the truth with even greater clarity. We were sinners. And yes, that's the word I've taught some of you in the crossing and some of you in a good news group. We were always harmarteoing. We missed the mark. We hurt others 
and we hurt ourselves. But we either didn't know it or didn't care. And when we knew we had sinned, we denied it. Verse 10 speaks another law truth. We were enemies. We were apart from God. We were hostile toward God. We were at war with him. And though we were losing, always losing, we kept on fighting. That's the damning truth. That's four law truths. But the fifth one shows up in several places and in several ways in today's epistle. It's death, which came through one man, through Adam. And because of him, Paul tells us in verse 15, we all died. Who were we? What were we under the law? We were weak, we were ungodly, we were sinners, we were enemies, and we were dead. The contrast, and it's a blessed and beautiful contrast, is announced, counting some more, in five ways. It's first in verse 6, while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died. Then in verse 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For the third time, it's in verse 10, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. The fourth time, and I'll tell you now, you'll have to wait just a little while for the fifth one. The fourth time is the first word of verse 12. Therefore, as my pastor, when I was young, and yes, my pastor was my dad, used to say in Bible studies when I was still at home, whenever you see a therefore, you always have to find out what it's there for. Therefore, Paul writes, and describes the contrast between sin and grace, between death and life. Sin came into the, it was a very good world when Adam and Eve ate fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. With sin came death, their spiritual death, the death of a perfect creation, now under God's curse, and all too soon, the death of their second-born son by the angry hand of their first-born son. And death reigned until the second Adam appeared. Now it's time to count the five greater gospel truths, key words in this important word of God. First, Paul assures the first-century Christians in Rome and Christians of every age and every place of God's love. They were, we are, loved. That love, that rich and strong love, a love from eternity to eternity, was and is love for weak and ungodly people who could have been pushed away, who should have been rejected. Yet God's love was true and real. It was love while we were still sinners. God didn't tell us to stop missing the mark and then he would begin to love us. He didn't force us to prove that we were worthy of his love. And in this love, God the Father sent his son, his dearly loved son, for all the sons and daughters of Adam. So that through the death of his son, by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, we are justified. We are declared righteous. 
This, I must tell you, is one of the Apostle Paul's favorite words, words and his ways of proclaiming the good news in this wonderful letter we call Romans. The word righteous, more counting, shows up seven times, coincidentally, in verse 7 of this chapter. The word righteousness appears 33 times, and the verb to make or declare righteous 15 times. Justified is the second greater gospel truth in our text. The third one is saved. We are saved from the deserved wrath of God. We are saved because our Lord lives out his name, Joshua, Yeshua, Iesus, the Lord saves. Because of this, enemies who deserve to be executed are reconciled. In Christ, we are brought back into a relationship with God. In Christ, the Father welcomes us back home. We don't get what we deserve. We get what we do not deserve. Now it's time for the fifth contrast and the fifth gospel truth. The free gift is not like the trespass. Paul writes to begin verse 15. And the apostle shows the contrast between Adam and Jesus, which is the contrast between payment and gift. It's the contrast between judgment and grace. Many died. All died because of the one man, Adam, because of his sin in the garden. But the second Adam brought forgiveness in place of sin. He brought life in place of death. What a perfect way to see our salvation on this day that we observe Father's Day. Maybe you will give or have given your dad a gift, or you're going to let him binge watch Star Wars later today, or you'll make a phone call. Mine was on Friday on dad's 93rd birthday. But God the Father doesn't get any presents. He gives the presents. That gift doesn't show up just once a year or even once a week. The free gift abounds. It is yours today. It is yours on and since your baptism day. It is yours every day. It is yours for eternal days. So what are the words, whether you are a child or a youth or an adult, the words that describe you? You were weak and ungodly, condemned by sin, God's enemy, and dead. But in Christ, through Christ, you are, we are, loved and justified, saved and reconciled because of the grace and the free gift which abounds. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.